and welcome to another edition of The One Team We Agree On. I'm Jillian. And I'm Kyle. And we are live from LA once again for our third episode. So um, we have a very special guest on, um, former All-American goalkeeper at George Mason. Um, Post-college stops were overseas, uh, Philadelphia Freeman, uh, Freedom, um, and then she returned to United States Soccer as assistant with uh, University of Richmond, and now is leading the Parenting Soccer Association. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Sky, Eddie, Sky, how are you today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. We're in convention mode. A lot going on. Definitely, definitely. So, Sky, uh, starting out, uh, talk uh, a little bit about how you got into playing soccer and playing soccer overseas. Yeah, well, um, I've always played soccer. I grew up, fortunately, in a really progressive area, Reston, Virginia. So I am a Title IX baby, was born in 1971, and really do feel like I had, um, you know, so many opportunities afforded to me as a female. Um, my older brother played soccer, so, uh, you know, from a really young age, uh, was really engaged with the sport um, and grew up playing in WAGS, Washington Area Girls Soccer was the league at the time. It's really the first all-girls league in the United States and grew up playing ODP, Region 1, with our youth national team programs and, um, yeah, made my way to college. I actually um, played four years or three and redshirted a year at the University of Massachusetts and transferred my last season to Mason, where we had a really spectacular year, losing in the national championship game, which is amazing to make it there. But I was the goalkeeper, and we did lose 6 nothing. So, you know, not the greatest way to end your, end your collegiate playing career. But um, well after uh, I graduated from college, um, I made my way over to Italy and played for Tavagnaco Femminile and Udine. But you're right. Before that, I played in Philadelphia for the Philadelphia Freedom. Uh, I take the take the train up every Friday and uh, and play some games for um, a amateur team there that um, played at the German Hungarian club just outside Philly. So, what was the experience like playing over in Italy? Oh well, it was spectacular. It was certainly a life highlight for me, 100. Um, percent It's an experience that I reflect on in my work now with soccer parenting all the time and really just have some of my great memories from that. But I was only there a really brief time. I was there just over four months. Um, the visa that I needed didn't really play out and um, there were some issues with the team. And so um, while it was such a short-lived experience, it's amazing how uh, you know instrumental it was and really forming a foundation for me for the work that we're doing here about inspiring players. And I love to see, I mean, we have the draft here for women, like the growth of the women's game is phenomenal. Um, and so uh, my experience in Italy was incredible. And uh, now I love to see that there's so many domestic opportunities for women with the growth of the Super League that's coming out, the USL Super League for women, um, another top tier professional league that'll be launched and uh, obviously the NWSL as well. Yeah, no, it's huge just to see um, from my short time following soccer is having just the growth of the women's game. It's, it's wonderful yeah. to see. Yeah. yeah, so can you tell us a bit about your friendship with Phil Wedden? Sure, yeah, goalkeeper coach for the union, Phil Wedden. Um, he, uh, Phil and I first started working together for um, Tony DiCicco and Soccer Plus Camps. Um, 
and really kind of grew up as coaches there. I have a hilarious picture of me and Phil. My first week working for, I don't know if it was my first week, maybe my second week working for Soccer Plus. Um, and Phil is there, you know, we're in our early 20s and, uh, and, and had a great experience. Tony was such a great mentor for me. I'm sure Phil would say the same thing. And so uh, you had to spend the summers on the road with Soccer Plus, often co-directing or um, working with Phil for, for camps was phenomenal. He's an incredible coach, an incredible human being. His knowledge about the game, the position, is uh, something that the union, that Andre Blake is has such an advantage having him as a coach. Absolutely. What's something uh, like in terms of a goalkeeper coach? What do you and just knowing Phil yourself, what what are some of the skills? Like, what is he good really at as a coach? Like, yeah. obviously he's super knowledgeable, but you know, what would you say his, is some of his key strengths? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Phil is so innovative with his approach to training. He's always, like, looking into the future of what um, could be an innovative way to train and support goalkeepers. He does a lot of the vision training with the goggles, and um, I don't know exactly what that's called. But um, the other thing about, about Phil is just his player management, his relationship ability, you know, his ability as a goalkeeper as well. You know, we, we are... It's a, it's a lonely position and, uh, you know, having a coach that you trust and that you can rely on and that you can learn and grow from, you know, is is uh, uh, such a privilege and an important aspect for goalkeeping. And Phil really has those people skills with the co with the players that he's working with. And, he, you know, he's he's the goalkeeper coach for the first team, but it, uh, he, he's director of goalkeeping for the whole unit. So he's, he's really integrating with the goalkeeping instruction and what's happening at the academy level and really influencing the goalkeeping education and the pathway of goalkeepers from the very beginning connection to uh, the union up into the first team. Yeah. No, it, it, the union are incredibly um, lucky to have him. Just listening to his podcast. He better buy me dinner after this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we, were, we just, we had an opportunity just to sit there and just pick his brain for a little bit and us knowing very little about the coaching aspect of it, more just from watching the game. It, it was amazing just the knowledge he just shared with us in oh, a yeah. brief time and yeah. the energy. That was the other thing I really appreciated, just the energy of just talking to mm -hmm. him. Like, it was yeah. Really good. yeah. So let's shift focus now to, um, you know, what inspired you to start soccer parenting? Like, what was the main focus of this? Because what sure. you're doing is amazing. So. Uh -huh. I'm just really curious about that story. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so I founded Soccer Parenting over 10 years ago. Um, you know, I thought as um, my kids were coming up in the game, uh, my daughter is now 23, my son is 20. Um, as my kids were coming up in the game, I thought, ah, being a soccer parent is going to be so easy for me because I'm a former player, I'm an active coach, I love working with kids. like. I've got this, and to be to be clear, being a soccer parent um, was hard. Um, my daughter, who's older and had high performance dreams, she played in college. My daughter was an All-American as well, collegiately. Um, you know, she has a much different mentality than I do, though. So I was I was feeling a lot of stress as a parent. Um, so that's certainly one reason or one thing that prompted me to start soccer parenting because I became very curious about how I could show up for my daughter to make sure that her experience was inspiring and uh, 
And so through that curiosity, I started interviewing people and started creating content for soccer parents that was content that was useful for me in my process as a parent and I knew would also be equally useful for other parents. Some, you know, our, our mission at Soccer Parenting is to make you soccer better and we, we deeply believe that parents will be difference makers in improving the game and that when parents seek information about how to best support their player, that great things will happen. And so we're really trying to drive the curiosity of parents so that, uh, you know, the end result will be players that stay in the game longer players that fall in love with the game, regardless of the level that they'll eventually play. Great, great, great. Um, yeah, so um, what are some tools both coaches and parents can use um, that can help the athletes? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, first off, you know, I just presented earlier today uh, here at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. My topic today was about how we can create a culture um, of parent engagement within our club structures. And so, um, you know, coaches being really intentional about the environment that they're providing um, and, you know, being really intentional about engaging with parents is essential. Um, we have a tool that we, uh, you know, that our club partners are using. It's a soccer parent resource center. It's our education platform. So on that is just a robust content platform for parents um, to receive education and support. Um, I think one thing that parents could do is have perspective. You know, that was one of my struggles, like from an empathy standpoint, I was expecting my eight-year-old daughter to act and have the same motivation that I had when I was like 15 or 16. And so having perspective. Yeah, no, and that's something we also talk about with um, our parents um, at the swim club we're at. We do a very good job with education, and that's one of the things we talk about is perspective. <laughs> angles, wouldn't you say, Jillian? Yeah, I mean, it really is a partnership. Um, we cannot run, like, our swim team without the cooperation of the parents and the coaches, you know, and having good, that good communication, and also, um, like, we have our monthly parent meetings, for instance, good. and we, you know, really engage with them, and we try to keep everyone loop, because at the end of the day, we are here for the athletes, and we want to support them, and um, I think just the more education and resources that are there can just help it all work so, more, so much more smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, parents haven't necessarily been engaged before. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. And so, um, you know, trying to get parents to engage with an education platform or actually to even just realize, hey, I play an important role in my child's athletic experience. So a lot of the work that we're doing is just trying to also inspire parents to get more involved. Um, but there's definitely things that they need to be learning about and um, be thoughtful about in order to support their child. And also, you know, to have that perspective that we were talking about. And that there is, um, you know, uh, nobody that's really providing this information. We don't really, there's not a, there's not a guidelines, guidelines for parents. Um, I, I say this story a lot. Like, my daughter is older than my son, and school was really easy for her. And so when Callie started in elementary school, you know, I just was a parent and supported her as I needed to, but there really wasn't much for me to do because she sort of worked her way through school with not with, with little stress. Now my son has um, some learning challenges, and so when my son ended up in school, it became really clear to me, oh wait, I have to learn more, I have to get more engaged, I need to be a little bit more involved in his experience in order to support him so that he can find school inspiring. And so, you know, I, I say that, I tell that story quite a bit because I think it's a good Experience, you know, thing for parents to think about. Um, you know, use sports this day, these days for the good or the bad of it. It's stressful. 
and there's a lot of pressure on kids and the structures are are stressful and um, so you know the, as parents we will innately at times feel stress and so uh, you know education is a good is a good uh, way to combat that stress yeah my experience I know I'll have parents who are you know brand new to the sport and they're like I have no idea what I'm doing you know and I have like a million questions and sometimes they're like, oh, I'm sorry to bother you. know, I'm sorry to give you all this question. I'm like, no, please. Yeah. Like, talk to me. I want to help you because we are a team in this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, parents, I, I said in my presentation today, I said, what is the one thing that parents fear the most? And um, when it comes to a coach's perception and uh, like half of the room was like being portrayed or being thought of as like a crazy soccer parent. Like we live in fear of a coach thinking that of us. And so the the way that we've handled that has oftentimes been to just not engage not ask questions and so one of the key things that we're doing at soccer parenting is working with coaches on establishing boundaries and being really clear with parents we want you to talk to us in these situations and you know the door is open to you when your child is struggling with their level of inspiration around the game or when you have a genuine question about the sport and you're curious about like what's the difference between 7v7 and 9v9 and what are these different numbering systems or whatever your question might be. You know, those are, there are certainly times that we really, really want and need parents to engage with us. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there with uh, talking about boundaries and guidelines with parents and coaches because that's one of the biggest things. Um, what ways can, I guess, not only parents but coaches, that collaboration, what are some of the other, besides boundaries, what are some other issues that you see, especially now, mm-hmm. um, as the modern age athlete is coming up through the developmental Sure, ranks, um, sure. How, and how's that changed since when you played? You know, yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because, again, going back to my presentation today, I said, how has youth soccer changed over the course of the last 10 years, which is sort of a, you know, easy for people to go back 10 years. It's sort of really when soccer parenting kicked off so I can kind of get a, a feel of how and remember what the ecosystem was like. And, you know, coaches, when I asked that question, were talking about, you know, how much more stressful the pyramid is now for kids. Um how much more physically demanding the game has become, and practices have become, more practices, um, the push for a lack of, for um, kids to only do one sport at an earlier age, and this early specialization has become a bit more of an issue. Um, equally, equal to that though, you know, I've also seen an incredible improvement in the way coaches are perceiving parents and in their desire to engage with parents and to learn more about our work um, and to uh, you know, gain access to our education platform for parents as a tool for parents, as a tool for them to engage with them. So we're starting to see a lot of improvements in leadership across the board. So you know, lots and lots of positives, but certainly the game has evolved a lot over the course of my lifetime, um, if not even in the, the last 10 years. And with it has become this sort of general move away from community and sport and so a lot of our work also is about community building and giving coaches education and information and the resources that they need so that they can establish a sense of community within their teams um, which again is sort of a a, a, too often has sort of been forgotten in in the structures that we have. I would say yeah community is a big thing not only in team sports but even in individual sports so Mm -hmm. with that said what are some of the tools that coaches can use to create a community environment where maybe they are lacking? Yeah, uh, I talk to coaches a lot about um, about establishing trust. You know, foundational to the work that we're doing is how we establish trust in the coach-parent relationship. Of course, that goes across any sport. Um, 
you know, how we how we engage and and um, so to establish t- trust, we have to um, right our wrongs if we make a mistake as a coach. Uh, you know, we forgot to substitute somebody. Like apologize to the player and send a note to the parent and you know let them acknowledge that. So right your wrongs. Um, Knowing the names of the parents on your team is an important way of demonstrating respect. Um, you know, you can also establish trust by being competent and in, in yourself, like getting coach education and letting you know people know that you're trying to support your future as a coach and your ability to impact the lives of the kids that are in front of you. Um, so establishing trust is is really key uh, way that coaches can really start to think about that relationship. And I think coaches need to pause and just sort of ask themselves, you know, what they believe to be true about soccer and sports parents. Like, how are they showing up when it comes to that relationship? Um, And have some time to have moments of reflection as well. But in terms of establishing community, um, you know, uh, we are a big proponent of uh, soccer teams having a social coordinator as well as a team manager. So tasking and being super intentional with tasking a parent on your cl- on your team with having three events throughout the course of the season. Nothing that's you know going to be really difficult for the parents. Maybe it's just a quick potluck supper one evening instead of practice. Or maybe it's uh, ice cream after a Saturday afternoon game that the team all goes to. So just a few little opportunities, but being really intentional about um, making sure that they happen. So uh, assigning a social coordinator to, to make sure those happen. Yeah, I think that's really important. We have someone who does that on our swim team, for example. And honestly, the social things, that's when I've gotten to know some of the parents the most and make Absolutely. those connections. I yeah. mean, we just had holiday potluck and everything. And, oh, you know, because a lot of times it's just the parents are out in the lobby and, you know, where it's drop off, pick up, and I don't always get a chance to talk with them. But those are some of the best times. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. And yeah. that's what we remember, too. Like when I look back on my soccer experience with, you know, the Springfield Patriots or the Reston Ramblers, the two club teams that I played on, I don't remember a single game we played except for maybe like a state cup final where Mia Ham scored on me because we played against each other in high school. Like I kind of remember that game. I kind of remember a big game in the rain that we played and it might have been in the Robbie, which used to be a tournament in, in Ontario, Canada. But, um, you know, I don't really remember the games, but I remember the birthday parties. I remember the sleepovers and the pool parties and all of those things. So, you know, we need to go back to establishing that sense of connection because ultimately that'll help our kids have a stronger connection to the sport, decide to stay involved in sport longer so that they can, you know, work their way into having a more healthy adulthood. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, what do you have coming up in the future? What's your future plan for the association? How is it growing? What do you see? Yeah, I mean, we're in a high growth phase right now. We have two over 200, I think 230 club partners across the United States. Um, I think probably by the end of 2024, that number will be in the three to 400 range. Um, so we're high growth in terms of club partnerships, state association partnerships, league partnerships. So, um, you know, there's a really big movement right now across the sport ecosystem to effectively engage with parents. So. Um, I think the future is, uh, you know, more content because we're already always building content, delivering more content, but is just, uh, you know, this is kind of a, a growth phase. Absolutely. For us, we're launching a few new courses for parents. We already have six, but we'll probably add two, maybe even three more this year. That's, that's wonderful to hear. And again, just parent education as coaches, we can't stress that enough. We yeah. really, really can't. So, uh, Scott, uh, 
Uh, no, I'm just honestly, I'm very impressed, and I really look forward to seeing you know this great. progress and yeah. uh, continue to be a great resource to parents. Yeah, well, we just launched a partnership with Eastern Pennsylvania Youth Soccer Association, so now the clubs in your area in the Philadelphia area for the listeners that are there, the clubs can become a member for just two hundred and fifty dollars. So. Um, you know, they can learn more on the State Association website um, about that as well. So, yeah, we're excited to continue and influence soccer in your area as well. Excellent. So, uh, in closing, Sky, we'd like to thank you. Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so our website is SoccerParenting.com. All my contact information is there. You can also follow Soccer Parenting on any social channels, uh, well, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and, uh, you know, have uh, all my contact and our DMs are open there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. This was excellent. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And so that's all for this episode of One Team We Agree On. And please be sure to follow us on social media. We are at the One Team We Agree On on Instagram and Facebook. And on Twitter, we are at TOTWAG, and we are on YouTube. Until next time, I'm Kyle. I'm Jillian. And we're live from L.A.